thank you guys so much uh, for being here. Um, just appreciate you guys here as we're doing these discipleship classes. Uh, we we do them if you know if the you know if the, the um, if people show up to do them, and we just appreciate so many people showing up to be uh, participants um, in this. This is a class that we're trying to go into uh, deeper subjects to answer questions that all of us are facing in this this earth and this world. And uh, just let you know that as a result, um, you can easily see um, it go right to people's nerves. In other words, people hurt. And uh, as people are hurt, what happens is that when we talk about subjects that just bring up the pain, how do we do this? What do we do? And those kind of things, uh, it's, 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 um, um, it's not easy. Um, but that's what this class is for, is to say, okay, the, what we want to do is we want to walk through life together. And as we walk through life together, we want to heal each other's hurts. We want to walk with each other uh, we want to go to the Word of God and try to find um, answers um, that are in the Word of God. And as we work through that, um, yes, it might bring some things up that, uh, that are hard um, because we live in a world that is hard. <laughs> That's just exactly what it is. It's a, a really, really hard world. So, uh, and of course, I just want to give you guys how I think um, while I'm up here. Um, you don't have to take anything I say whatsoever. In fact, all's my job up here is to let people think, is to make people think. Okay, I have this topic, I have this subject, I'm dealing with this topic, I'm dealing with this subject. I want to walk out the door and I want to, I want to think. That's all my job. I don't want to convince anybody of anything. In fact, I, don't, I never want to convince anybody of anything, even as I'm you know, preaching a sermon. And you say, what do you mean you don't want to convince anybody of anything? I mean, you give the gospel, don't you want to convince them to receive the gospel, I would say if it was my job to convince somebody to receive the gospel, um, then I have to make it a lot more flashy than it is, and I have to readjust it, and I have to talk really, really smooth so it'll stick in people's minds. It's not my job to give. It's not my job for people to receive the gospel. God will open up hearts and open up minds when the gospel is presented, but it's not my job to say, this is right, and if you don't believe it, you're wrong. It's my job to say, I'm going to proclaim the gospel to the lost world, and if you don't believe it and refuse to accept it, come back next week. All I want to do is get you to think. So it's the same way with the class, just in a sense that we might disagree. It's okay to disagree, but I just want to bring up, let's just think. Think. I mean, in my mind, I have you know, strong opinions. <laughs> um, but those opinions are, you know, what I'd teach, but um, they're just out there to make, to make us specifically think. So um, I just want to um, look at a couple questions. I'm trying to answer the questions that are um, mentioned, um, and I gave them last week, and that have um, been asked on paper, and just spend a little bit more time on them. Uh, we're just going to go through um, three different questions um, that are there, um, and then I um, want to open it up for more questions. So think of different questions that you guys have, and then we'll start moving into some areas that are going to be even, you know, even uh, uh, more um, uh, touchy subjects. But uh, one question I want to talk about is, what do people need to know uh, when they're struggling uh, with homosexuality? And um, I should have rephrased that. I would say, and I don't know how to rephrase this, because if I did say this, it wouldn't work. What does Christians need to know if they are struggling with homosexuality? Um, because the church, the Bible is written to us. And what we do is, is we can talk to um, difficult people, or we can also talk to toxic people. But how do we communicate to people that we love so much, they are wrong, we are right, and somehow we need to communicate to them? You know, it's, it's, it's hard. It's extremely hard. Um, because if I communicate to them that you are wrong and I am right, well, what do I have? They have a fight. No, 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 no. They're right, and I'm wrong, because that's why you bring it up in the first place. So as soon as you start communicating, you're right, and I'm wrong, all of a sudden there's just, there's just an argument that's going to take place in, a, in a, a battle struggle. So it's not my job to tell people they're wrong. It's actually my job and your job to convince people they're wrong. <laughs> so it takes a little bit more of a strategy than to tell, and, and, you, and then you have to convince. And so we're going to work on this topic um, of homosexuality. Um, and the reason why is because it has invaded our church family. It has invaded the Church of America. And what I mean by invaded is that, I'll just say 
people in my family, you know, not my immediate family, the extended family that is out there, this issue is coming into context with, that we're fighting with. Um, people in, in the church, they're, they're, it's coming down. It's coming down. How do I deal with this? And, and the, when they speak, it's not they're speaking that, um, they're speaking that this is right, and they're speaking that it's okay, and they're speaking that if the Bible speaks otherwise on regards to homosexuality, then you are, you, know, you use the words bigot, racist, you can use any words, any words you want. So we're in this area that um, is a, a combative area, and, um, and being in a combative area, well, you don't want to tell them, you actually want to convince them how to do it. So just going on this uh, topic specifically, um, I went through seminary um, at Western Seminary, and uh, then there was a seminar that took place well after I graduated, and it was um, how churches should be dealing with the new era that we are in in regards to laws that are being passed. And, um, and one of the areas was homosexuality. How do you deal with the, the concept of homosexuality coming into the church, and that's, should the church embrace it? <laughs> you know, should the church not embrace it? You know, I mean, just those kind of pieces of it. And, um, and I'll just give you that answer real fast. No, the church should not embrace it, just to let you know. <laughs> but uh, um, I went into the one with homosexuality, and the speaker started talking. And when he started talking, he said, I um, was a homosexual. In fact, I have struggled with it. Um, and he gave it reasons why he struggled with it. He was a PK, a pastor's son, and he told us his story. And uh, as he consistently told us his story of his struggles uh, with homosexual, homosexuality, um, at the end of his story, he said, this is what I am, where I'm at right now. I have a wife, I have two children, and I work downtown Portland for all the people that are struggling with homosexuality to tell them that there's life beyond it. And so I, I made it. And what he means by I made it, it is my job to proclaim to people and to help people that are inside of it. But he went through all the nastiness of explaining where he was at. And if I do not struggle with homosexuality, so if I'm going to try to explain to somebody, this is what you should do if you struggle with homosexuality, I would be honest with you and say, I do not have the answer. But I am excited to tell you that he had the answer because he struggled with it. And so what was I doing listening to it? I was writing like a hawk of everything, because this is how he started his message, everything I needed to know when I struggled with it. Everything I needed to know that as I look back now, that is why I got out of it. Everything I needed to know. So this is what this first page is. We have six different things of what he needed to know. This is not me. This is what he needed to know for the purpose of saying, okay, I'm going to really strive to get out of it. So here's the first thing that he said. Not me, this is what he said. He needed to know that God loved him. God sent his only son for the sick, struggling and lost. Jesus loves broken people. Um, a lot of areas in regards to homosexuality, you're wrong, I'm right. When it comes to those areas, you're going to get a wall pretty hard. But if you want to convince them, put God in their lap. Don't let go of God. Do you know why? Because you are going to want to let go of God. You know why? Because when you live that lifestyle, you have to convince yourself it's right or you have to convince yourself that God doesn't even exist. That's the only way you convince yourself is right. That's where, the, that's where the tackle point is. You are somebody who God loves. Hang on to him. Continue to love him. Let him give you life through this process. And you're thinking in the back of your mind, let him give you conviction in this process as well. But this person needs to know, God loves me. I'm going to walk with this. My sin is not, you know, is not changing anything. I just need to know that God loves me. So let's give the next one. God's word is true and his character is good. God knows the best for you. God knows what is best for you. And God has your intentions in mind 
when he says, do not do this. Jesus says, I came to give you life and life to the fullest. Somebody that's struggling with homosexuality has embraced death that will hurt them and hurt the people that are around them. Because that's what sin does. Every time you bring it in, it's destroying the relationships and it destroys it destroys us. God's word is true and his character is good. Number three, that he said, that I'm not alone. You're not alone. Come to a church and let's fight the sin together. Remember what homosexuality is, is that homosexuality is a sin. Remember what homosexuality is being sold as, It's being sold as an identity. That is not correct. It is not an identity. It is it is a sin. The Bible says homosexuality is a sin, and that's how that's how we combat it. Every single one of us have sins that we need to combat. When we're working with somebody, you want to help them combat that sin. Put God in their life, say his character is strong and his word is good, and also that you're not alone. That's not accepting it. That's not saying you know, oh, what you're doing is okay. It's literally saying, I disagree with what you're doing, but your family, (laughs) your family loves you, and we still disagree, but your family cares about you, and we want to make sure that we are shoulders and strength for you, and we will be honest in that process. Number four, You are not born, designed, or destined to be a homosexual. God wants to lead you to freedom from that sin. Again, that's the lie that the world gives us, is that we are born that way. We are designed that way. We were destined to be homosexual. Um, That is not, I mean, I guess you could argue a little bit with that and, and say that we are born in sin, and I'm telling everybody <laughs> that we are born in sin, but we're redeemed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have the Holy Spirit to combat sin. I mean, that's, how it, that's how it works. Um, but uh, for somebody to say, well, this is my identity, you just, you just need to accept it. Um, it's like, no, I'm not accepting it as your identity because this is not your identity. It's a sin that I pray that you fight for. And you can be aggressive, you know, with family members. It's not, oh, you can do whatever you want. You can be aggressive. I just pray that this is something you combat, something you fight. Whenever we embrace sin, this is going to destroy your life. In fact, if we have children that struggle with homosexuality, I mean, when it comes to adult children, we can even say, you know what? I had sin in my life as well when I was a kid or when I was, you know, married to your mom. These are the sins that I, I had in my life. And I'll tell you what they did. They ruled and destroyed me until I got them out. So now you're talking on the same plane. You're working with them to get the sin out. Now, what's home, uh, people that struggle with homosexuality is, number one, they just want you to accept it. Um, and that's the goal. Just, just accept it. Because if you say I'm right, then what? Then, then I can be right too, you know. Because that's what they try to do to God. Is I'm, They go to God and say, God, just tell me I'm right. And then if my parents say I'm right, then everything is okay um, you don't have to, don't, don't, you know, accept that. No, you're not right. This is wrong, and this is an issue. And it's all right to say, no, it's not right. You're wrong. This is an issue. No, I'm not going to go to your wedding because I believe in my heart of heart that it's not a wedding because a wedding was designed for two people to stand in front of God to make one flesh blessed by his power and his beauty. That was creation. So no, I'm not going to go to your wedding. That's okay. It's okay to say that. Stand, stand the strong. I love you, I, and I want you to overcome that, but I, I can't go to your wedding. No, I don't want your partner to come over here so you can say, we can say, okay, this is all accepted. Everything is wonderful. Everything is, it's not wonderful. This is something that has made a large impact on our entire family unit, and it's making an impact on our entire family unit. We want you to see that it is. You're not alone. We love you. But we have to work with you in regards to this because it is a huge dynamic that is, that is changing um, our family unit. Uh, your identity is not based in your sexuality, feelings, or behaviors, but rather in Christ. Who are you is what identity is. Um, when it comes to sexuality, 
Sexuality carries such a power in this world that we underestimate, we'll, we'll, put, it, we'll put it that way. We completely and entirely underestimate. And, and just not even talking about homosexuality, let's just, um, just mention the word um, sex. When you're looking at uh, um, the, the word sex, what is it? And, um, and just to make a really fast statement of what it is, it is to be known. That's what it is. And, and to just even get a little more graphic, it's to go where no one has ever gone before. I mean, that's just telling you what it is. And do you know what it does? It carries power. It carries power that you will not believe. But why did God create it? Why did God put it on this earth? Because one day you will stand in front of God and what's going to take place, you will be completely known. One day, you will go where you are not supposed to go with God. And it is going to be an absolute rush. I can't even explain what is literally going to take place. But when it comes to the word sex, to be known and to go where you've never gone before, this is just a taste to the glory that we're going to have in heaven when we see Jesus Christ face to face. You know, you have to use a mature mind to say, you know, what's going on in regards to heaven? This is what I just say. It's an intense rush. <laughs> it's, a, it's something that you desire at the core of your heart. And just a taste of an intense rush is the gift of sexuality that God has literally given us on this planet with husband and wife that's in a secluded relationship, committed to each other, walking together in life. And boy, have we ruined it. This world, boy, have we annihilated it. Boy, have we destroyed it. We really destroy it with homosexuality. And it is not your identity. It's not your identity. Our identity is found specifically in Christ. And that carries all the power you need to go above absolutely everything in regards to homosexuality or even sexuality. Number six, do not accept sin you need to move in the healing work of Christ. Don't stop seeking help. I just want to bring those words up. Don't stop reading the word. Don't stop praying, uh, having a prayer life. Because somebody who is struggling with sin does what? They stop seeking help. They stop going to church. They stop reading the Bible. And they stop praying. And the reason why is because every time you go to that when you struggle with sin... You're confronted. That's <laughs> just the way it is. So we want to get them there, not necessarily from our mouth, but get them there into to God's mouth and let him speak and let him work. So the comments, just don't stop seeking help. Don't stop reading the Word. Don't stop your prayer life. That's um, what I, the one person, the individual that, um, that came in and talked to me about homosexuality is right. You know, this is what the Bible says. Um, I said, it's not, and you know it, and that's why you're here, because you want me to tell you that it is right. But the words I used was, don't stop going to church. Don't stop reading your Bible. Don't stop praying, and don't stop seeking help. And, uh, and he says, I won't. I, no, it's not no big deal. I won't. Well, those are the things that are going to be tacked whenever you embrace it. So if those are the things that are going to be tacked, those are the things that you're going to want, um, you're going to want to say. So we will can go back to this in regards to questions that we can bring up um, and uh, and talk about it further. So if you do think of questions on this topic, we will definitely pull those out and please ask them. Um, so uh, what should a church's approach to homosexuality be? Um, it's an answer that I have to come up with, and, and you know what is the approach to homosexuality that we should um, that we should have. And uh, it's not an easy answer. We'll just, just put it that way. But, and some people might say, well, I disagree with it. But um, this is uh, um, the approach. Because some people just reject it to the core, want to cast out, want to, uh, to thrown away. Well, people, well, we'll just go through. Here's the a, here's a first one. A permissive church. When it comes in topic of homosexuality, it's permissive. In other words, it's, we give them permission. It's, it's, it's okay. Unfortunately, so many churches have gone that direction. And uh, to go that direction is to reinterpret Scripture. It is to defy the Word of God. And it is to take children 
out of the family unit, husband and wife, that God intended them for them to be under. I mean, it is an aggressive thing to do to say, We're, it's permitted, it's, it's okay. You know, it, the culture says that it's all right, if the culture says it's all right, this is the direction we're going to go. We're going to go to, um, you know, as long as the Bible, con- if the Bible convinces me that it's permitted, which it won't convince me it's permitted, then you know, the Bible is the rock. So you can say, are we ever going to move to the culture? No, we'll get buried underground before we move to the culture in regards to this, because we're not obeying the culture. We're obeying the Word of God, and unfortunately, sadly. We can be called many, many things in regards to obeying the Word of God. And that's why Jesus said, they hated me. they'll hate you because they hated, they hated me. So we do not want to be a permissive church. This is all right. This is wonderful. We will always speak against it because the Bible speaks against it. Um, we do not want to be a rebellious church. Rebellious church can go two ways. It can be aggressive, permissive. Like, we're going to do it and don't argue about it. Or it can be, we're going to combat it, and we're going to make sure that if somebody comes in here, they're going to be told what for immediately. It's just an aggressive rebellion. We believe we're right. Bible says we're right. Therefore, this is what's going to take place. They're wrong, and they're really not welcome here in regards to their sexuality. We're not going to be a rebellious church. These are ones we're not going to be, so just to let you guys know. The last one is the one that we, will, um, we were working towards. Um, the, judge, the judgmental church. Here's another area that um, it brings us life to point fingers. It just does. And so I'm not even talking about homosexuality. It brings us security. It brings us power. It brings us strength to point fingers. And, and as soon as we start pointing fingers, then the finger is not pointed at us. As soon as we start repositioning everybody out there, then what happens is that we start raising up and being somebody that's strong. Um, and so to, to be somebody that is, starts to point fingers, aggressively point fingers, and talking, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, you can say that this is wrong, but the judgment that takes place, all it does is it calm us down to say, okay, I'm a righteous person. They're not a righteous person when literally we all have sin that is, is taking place. Um, the uncommitted church. You don't want to be the uncommitted church as well. We want to be very, very committed, even in regards to this subject. reason why we're doing the class is because we don't want to be an ignorant church. One that says, you know what, it's not really happening. It's not really affecting us, so we're just going to move on. And uh, we're not going to really necessarily talk about it um, in those things. Uh, we don't want to go to that direction whatsoever. Um, and then what do we want to be? We want to be um, a healing church. This is what we want to be. Um, to be um, a healing church, sometimes you have to pull out a knife and cut the person open so you can get in there and get rid of the infection. You know? So sometimes the healing is not as beautiful as you literally think it is. Healing is not that we're going to say, it's all wonderful, we're glad you're here, and those things. We're, we're shouting it out for the survival of God's ministry, God's name, that it is a sin. And we want to, to be in partnership with you, walking through life for the purpose of getting rid of that sin. Is that where you are at? And they might say, well, that's not where um, I'm at at all. And this is just only where I stand. And, um, and that's uh, an aggressive statement that the gospel prayerfully goes out and changes. And also, they would not be involved in anything. It'd be somebody just literally living in sin that's walking into our body um, that, um, that, is, that is there. Not a part of leadership, not a part of anything, but a part of somebody being underneath the gospel that we want to tell them that Jesus Christ saves and can save you from that and redeem you from that. When we look at um, transgenderism, what is it? I just want to just make this statement because we're going to talk about healing. We talk about healing. What is transgenderism? Transgenderism is somebody um, who knows that they're messed up. They know that they are so messed up that what they want to do is they want to deny themselves 
And the way they, they deny themselves is they literally are born again into a whole nother existence where the old is then passed away and they can be somebody that is completely new, somebody that is completely strong, unlike the weak person, somebody who is completely alive, not like the weak person. They've completely denied themselves for life. You know we call that? It's called transgenderism. That's what transgenderism is. They've just got the wrong answer. Because every single one of us are what? Messed up. And what does God say? We need to what? Deny ourselves and then do what? Be born again in a brand new life with a brand new purpose, a brand new mission, a brand new vision, a brand new king and a brand new Lord. If you look at the, the two, they don't have the answer. And we do. They don't have the answer, and we do. Because if you talk to anybody who's transgender, which I'm thinking of the ladies that I've talked to, they wear black. <laughs> they, they're, they're, they're angry. They're frustrated. They're, they're mad. They're, it's, there's bitterness that takes place. And I'm not just stereotype all of them, but I'm just saying they don't have the answer. And I think that the, in the deep depths of the heart, they know it. But there is somebody on this planet that does have the answer. And it's found exactly right inside of the Word of God. And the exact gospel message of being born again is literally what people are starving for. And since people, say, are not finding it from the church or don't find it from the church, they're going to try to find it elsewhere. As a result of watching them being born again and what their new identity is, it's easy to throw stones, but what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to say there is an answer that makes us alive. And the answer is alive in Christ. And we need to shout it from the top of our lungs that we are alive in Christ. We are losing our next generation. I'm not, don't mean to just make bold statements, but you understand what I'm saying. We're losing our next generation in regards to this transgenderism. And the reason why they're selling it is because they're saying it will make you alive. You can deny yourself and you can be somebody else. It's Satan to the core, Satan at his heart. Deny yourself and you can be somebody else. And it is promoted with energy. It is promoted with excitement. It is promoted with joy. But yet they don't have the answer. So what is a church supposed to look like? <laughs> We've got the answer. <laughs> What are we going to do with this gospel? Promote it with excitement, promote it with energy, promote it with joy. I was once dead, but now I am alive. This younger generation needs to know that we're alive. You know, when we look at the church in, in the back of our mind, is that if somebody walks in this door, and I'll just tell you what the goal is in my, in my mind. The goal. In fact, if I set a goal, this is what my goal is. If somebody walks in this door, no matter what has taken place in their life, if they were dead when they walked in, they would walk out of life. They would walk out excited. They would walk out as if they saw something that they've never seen before, and it's our prayer that they saw the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. If they walked out hurt, that they'd walk out healed. I'm hurt, but look what I found. I found God. And inside of it, carry that power. And that's, the, that's where the church needs to be in an environment of this culture and this world selling that there's another answer out there. Because it is not our culture at work, it's Satan at work. We will bring more topics up in regards to that subject. In fact, you know what, let's just um, let you guys ask questions on that subject if you'd like. Just so, um, and you might be, you say, I'm not going to ask questions on that subject, that's kind of, subject's hard um, but we'll just give you that opportunity before we just move into the next one. That means I covered it. <laughs> I didn't cover it. What it really means is that it's like, oh my goodness, that's it's it's a it's a crazy world that we um, that we do live in, and and it will never, I don't think, ever be covered, and we will consistently face with it, and it will be growing in time. 
Looking at, um, and just to let you guys know, is that we're going to um, continue to go through, because sexuality is, is, just, is just rampant completely and entirely through our culture, and a lot of our questions are even based on it. But when we start talking about our kids and those things, that we'll be bringing these topics up again. This is just a, um, a call to answer to um, someone that we love um, who's close to us and how to heal them. Just ask this question, should we care for our elderly parents? This was a question... Um, that was asked. And, and I just want to read you a passage that is an absolutely very um, aggressive passage. Is there a question? Oh, right. I would, oh, we got, oh, you got questions out there? Oh, I'm sorry. Force the mic on me. <laughs> can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Uh, I, the, it's just more of a comment about a conversation with a young man that I work with I had recently. Um, I kind of talked about moving the goalposts and it involves, you know, homosexuality or kind of the other prevalent sins in our culture, the way the culture's going. Um, I just asked him if uh, 99% of the United States population thought something was right, uh, if he would believe it was right or not. And uh, he said, well, of course not, I have my values. I said, well, what are your values based on? And uh, he didn't really have an answer for that. And so I asked him if he thought uh, lying was wrong. He said, yeah. I said, okay, well, I base my values on, on the Word of God. So, you know, I believe lying is wrong because of the Bible. You know, it's, it's taught in the Bible. And I said, well, what about sex before marriage? Do you think that's wrong? And, uh, you know, that kind of got him. And then I asked him, you know, what if 99% of the United States thought killing somebody was wrong? And he said, well, it's wrong, you know, it, it can't be wrong. I said, well, there's no difference between sex before marriage and killing somebody, you know, if popular opinion is what rules your moral authority. Um, and I just, it's a, it's a good way to, I, I thought it's a good way to bring up the issue of, of homosexuality and, you know, where do you go from here? You know, things will continue to get more and more um, sour in our culture unless you base it on something that's uh, solid and concrete doesn't move so absolutely completely entirely agree with you that's that's powerful the, the um i think we talked a couple of weeks ago about asking questions let them think that's exactly what you did <laughs> you ask them a question all of a sudden they just they just they think and it's like whoa, whoa, whoa where am i going to end up with and that's powerful powerful statement in that regards to subjects to you know even expand that or even to say exactly what you said Asking questions is, is where we should work in with people. Giving them answers, they're just going to give you an answer back. And then you just have a conflict. But asking, asking questions just like that um, is, is carries a lot of power. So my husband and I were working with the youth group in a different church. It was a junior high, high school mixed youth group. And they were very accepting of kids coming in from the neighborhood which is nice. You want the kids to come and learn about God. So this is a Wednesday night um, youth group. And there were kids that were coming from the neighborhood that were clearly um, homosexual or maybe even transgender. Um, so there was one person in particular, none of us leaders even knew if it was a girl or a boy, weren't sure. Um, but it appeared to be a girl, um, but the girl and another girl kept leaving in the middle of the lesson, and we'd f pursue them and find them making out in the girl's bathroom or in the nursery, and um, so my question is, at what the church is accepting in for healing, but at what point do we protect the students that are in the youth group from what's going on. I mean, this is, this is a touchy situation. It's a real life situation. So finally, the youth pastor called the school and found out, no, this was a boy. So now we've got a girl and a boy making out in the girl's bathroom and going on things like retreats where we don't even know if it's a girl or a boy. Where are they sleeping? How are we allowing it, and even if we asked the student, they would say, I don't know, or I'm not telling you, you know, if I'm a girl or a boy. 
So this is real life stuff that's going on in the schools and it's going on in our churches too because the, because the community is coming in. So the question is, as the, what is the youth pastor's role and what is the church's role in um, loving them but also protecting the kids that are in the church? So um, you ask a very difficult question and then you answer the question, loving them and protecting the kids in the church. I mean, that, that's a very difficult question. How do you do it? Love them and protect um, the kids um, in the church. Um, the answer to that is I believe that the youth pastor, or I would say me as a pastor, needs to look at the church as a whole very, very consistently. Uh, the mission is to have unsaved people from outside literally come in and um, as they come in, I'm just going to use a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor for 10 years. So they come in. Why? They come in because they're attracted to come in. There's games. There's, a, um, there's, a, um, there's games and there's, um, 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 that take place. There's fellowship that takes place. It could be the popular thing that the school is, is at. So these kids come in for what reason, for what purpose? I would just say that they come in for fellowship. They come in for games. And then when they're there, what's taking place? The gospel message is, get, is, is, given, is given out. So, but if all these people come in and you're, say you're running two-thirds unsaved and one-third saved, what happens is that you just change your whole dynamic of your, your youth group. And so the youth pastor has to look at it as a whole and has to say, you're coming in for healing? Mm, probably not. And then literally address the issue. And, and what I mean by address the issue is to talk to him. And he says, you know, this is what the Bible says in regards to sexuality. Well, that's going to make you know, people feel uncomfortable. But I would address the issue and address the issue even with their parents in the process, is that, you know, this is what we teach here. This is what the Bible says. We're running into complications because we want to do overnight parties. The youth group as a whole can no longer do overnight parties because of this issue that has taken place because we don't have even a facility for them. So this has been an issue in our church, is an issue right now. In other words, your child coming in is an issue, and we have to do something with it and, um, and then um, it would be literally combating it to say, you know, if this can't get fixed, if this is a problem, if they're coming not to receive healing, then, then we can't come to change the entire dynamic of the, the, dynamic of the youth group. And, and I think that would be completely healthy to see somebody that comes not interested in healing, but literally come to show, hey, this is who I am, accept me, and those kind of things. It's like, you know, that's not where we want the youth group to go, and you carry a power in the youth group because of your presence there, and you're taking the youth group that direction, and what we have to do in regards to the Bible is we have to stop. And you can do that with um, encourage me, encouraging a kid. I mean, the way you can encourage a kid is just say, you know, you're a leader. You know, you're, you're strong. You're, you are somebody that, you know, um, that carries a lot of power. And my only concern is that the Bible says this, and and your power is going this direction. And I so would awesome, be amazing if, if, if you looked at the Word of God and says, you know, I'm a leader, I'm a, I carry this weight, I want to go this direction instead. But if that kid says, you know, well, that's who I am, and no, this is the direction I'm going, it's okay to say, I'm sorry you can't come back to the youth group, because you do not want the youth group to change, to tone to change. Um, but the flip side of that is you want unsafe people in there, so you're going to get rough kids. And, uh, and I know transgender is one piece that's rough, but there's going to be a lot of roughness that's going to take place. It would be healthy if you had majority Christian believers to influence the fourth. If you start moving towards 50% unbelievers and 50% believers, um, then what you, you almost need to do is switch a whole different dynamics of even, um, of even um, ministry. It's just going to take, take a lot of, it's going to take a lot of management. We'll put, it, we'll put it that way. So we're looking at people that walks in the door. It's, you know, some people just say, you know, yeah, I'm transgender, and I want to make sure everybody knows it and that the world knows. We would ask them not to come back um, because they're not coming in for healing. They're coming in for something else. We would say, I know that you know, you're transgender. You know, we believe powerful that this is what the Bible says. And, um, and we also believe that you're not convinced of it, and you believe that you don't really want to be convinced of it. 
So do we just keep shouting from the top for the purpose of healing you? Or do we, we just, just say, you know, this is the direction we're going and uh, we don't feel like, you know, you pushing your agenda here is going to be something that is healthy. And, um, and so, so when it comes to healing, healing is the top drive, but that doesn't mean organization. I mean, and, and it doesn't mean, I'm sorry, you can't come back. You know, you, it's just not working out. It just doesn't mean that. You know, we have um, one, you know, child, you know, that was struggling with it. And what we do is we just pull the family together and we talk, you know, and we just say, okay, let's just, let's just talk, see how we can get through it. You know, family's like, I want to help. I want help through this. And they're like, praise God, let's try to get help through this. And the kid's like, well, I don't want to help through this. So we're talking with the family, working with the kids as we're trying to walk through that dynamic. It is hard, but if things keep going the way they're going, it's going to be really hard in 10 years, <laughs> really hard in five years. It's, 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 not, going to, it's not going to be easy. And, um, but we never want to, um, we never want to not shout truth, um, eat, no matter what's called at or, you know, called on us. We just don't want to, to shout, tr- um, to not shout truth. Yeah, Frank. Um, I didn't really have a, a question, but something you said was really impactful and I'd never thought about it before. We, we've always talked about over the years how Satan always He's the counterfeiter. Everything God has, Satan counterfeit. I had never thought before about the phrase born again. Jesus said we had to be born again. I never thought about Satan having a counterfeit for that. But that's really what we're talking about with transgender and things, is being born again. It's yeah. a counterfeit of God. I had never thought about that. Yeah. That was impactful. The aggressive counterfeit, and, and these are the things we want on the top of our mind as we're combating this stuff, um, you know, because it's easy to say it's wrong, the Bible says it's wrong, and throw something, but, you know, to try to find the dynamics of what Satan is trying to do and what the person needs, because the person needs to be born again. That's just not being born again in regards to transgender. Yeah, uh, maybe this, this is related, I think. Uh, so if we invite a gay or lesbian couple to church as unsaved people. How does the church deal with that uh, as far as, uh, it's probably somewhat related to your, how you handle a youth group, uh, if it, they're just there to make a statement or uh, uh, say who they are and they continue coming because that, how, how will the church, how does this, our church make that transition? How do they respond or how might, might they respond? So one thing that we don't do is we don't stand at the doors and say, okay, before you walk in the door, you need to confess all your sins. <laughs> because we wouldn't have anybody in our church. So we don't know, you know what is taking place um, in that regard. And also we don't want to do that. That says no mission to do this because what happens is we all have sins and just like this morning, we need to we need to have life and life to the fullest, and that's what salvation is. It's supposed to bring us to that life. So we want every suffering person with sin to be here. That's just that's, that's what we want. That's the desire that we have. So transgender person walks in. Praise God. They are here. Um, I've um, invited um, a couple, um, and they've been here three times. And, uh, and we, want them, we want them to know to know Jesus. That's what we want them to do. We want them to know Jesus. Um, uh, they, um, out of their own guilt, did not feel comfortable here because they know what we believe. So there's things that are working on them, you know, that, that want to come back. But we continue to love them. We continue to, you know, give them the gospel. We continue to display that we have, we have life. So the answer to your question is that if a transgender or a gay person or even a lesbian person comes, they're sitting underneath the preaching of the Word of God, and we praise God for it. But I want to go back to this corner over here that says, what happens when starts, things start to change that we're actually here for the promotion of something different rather than the proclamation of the gospel, which people do come to say, this is who I am, accept me, and if you don't, you're a pagan. You know, that, that, that defiance and that argument um, that would just be like, hey, you know, can we talk to you this week? You mind coming into my office and just, and just talking? Just, and then it would just be a simple conversa- a conversation 
that would say, you know, this is like the drive of the church. This is the, the message of the church. And, and you coming in and, and holding the hands and, and, you know, kissing, you know, in the pews, you know, <laughs> doing stuff like that, um, is sending an entire message that we believe as a body that this is okay. And I would confront anybody that is, you know, making out in their pews as I'm trying to preach a sermon about that, whether heterosexual or homosexual. So, you know, that's, you know, that's what nobody's really, you know, doing that when they, when they walk in. And um, so I would take it on a personal level. Uh, as soon as things get out of hand, you just call them, say, hey, do you mind just coming in and let's just talk about it. But you'll, by then you'll get to know them, you know, because I'll, we'll see them in the office or the, the you know, the foyer consistently. So you get to know them, you know their names, and then you, you get that leadership and be able to work with them in that process. So it's not easy. I mean, it, it really is, it's really uh, not easy. But um, and it's just kind of where we go. Um, what stands out to me from what she shared and what you shared is to protect those who are there to seek God. And um, I just think of in our own extended family, you know, we have a gay um, person and his partner, and we protected our children, especially when they were little. So, yes, they would have loved to babysit our kids, but we said no. And no, they didn't stay in our home overnight. And I, I think the love that we show to protect the innocent, the young um, it's good for them to see that. Mm-hmm. And that love of God is also something that reaches them. Yeah. So I love that you pointed that yeah. out. We protect the kids that came to the youth group to get to know Jesus better. And you shouldn't have to be kind of babysitting and tracking everybody else down that doesn't really want to be there. Yeah. Um, and the love and protection you have for that group that you're ministering to, you know, hopefully that will draw them, even if you draw the line and say, you don't really want to be here. You don't mm-hmm. need to come. Yeah. They will come at a different time. They'll know that when they come, they'll, they'll, someone will be there for them to love them yeah. and shepherd them. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Love how you pointed it. Yeah. The design of protecting kids is huge, and that's what we need to do as a church right now is make sure that the, the kids are um, protected. You know, just one way to, to protect kids and and uh, we're going to talk about this a lot when we talk about our children, is we have to talk to our children, even at as a young age, going all the way up in regards to protection. You know, this is, you know, I told my daughters um, that um, they went to a public school, so I knew that they're going to hear language. And uh, when I said, you're going to hear language, you're going to not know what it is. Well, just to let you know that the person that's using that language doesn't know what it is either, because it's pretty young you're going to know more than anybody in your class, including more than the person that's even using it. You're not going to use it, but you're going to know what it is. And do you know who's going to teach you? Your dad. <laughs> so if you have a word you don't know, let's talk about it. It has allowed us to talk about homosexuality. It's allowed us to talk about sex. And this is at a young age, you know, because what we're bringing them up, we're, you know, that's what we're doing. We're bringing them up to be strong. And we had those opportunities to, to have the conversation um, about it. Even when I come back to the youth group, a youth pastor, if I was in charge of a youth pastor, is, are you talking about it? You got gay people that are in your, and, and transgender, are you talking about it in your, you know, even in your class? You know, that's, that's huge, because your job is to actually combat it, you know, and then one of the things that are mentioned is that kids snuck away and started making out, and they were transgender, but a youth pastor should never have a kid sneak away and get made out. What, what, what I did when I was a youth pastor, I said, I just want you to know that we're always a group. And if all of a sudden two people are missing, I just want you to know the entire youth group of 50 people shuts down and looks for the couple that's missing. Because you control the group. And all of a sudden, people wouldn't do it because they're like, oh my goodness, the whole youth group's going to come after me. And, and what we did is we work at it as a team to make sure that everybody's protected, not everybody's making out, not everybody's doing those things. Those things need to be um, in place. And observe a youth group, you know, to see what's taking place there, you know, you should see if, he, if they have control um, because you're going to have to get control when you're working with kids. Uh, yeah, Mike, um, in uh, maybe in another specific example in our personal life or maybe in our businesses, uh, we might would develop relationships with people who are homosexual, homosexual couples, 
and you get to know them and talk to them and, and um, uh, maybe and even and do things socially with them, is it our responsibility at some point to say that your lifestyle is sinful? I, I mean, it, it's, just, it's just how do you get to a point where recognizing that that might just end the relationship right there. I mean, if you fear that it will end the relationship right there, then what's our responsibility? So the one point in in your category, in your situation, in your business of being a friend with somebody, the one point is, um, (laughs) um, how do you, you say this, is that a believer does not believe you know, so what happens if you say, you need to accept Jesus because you're going to go to hell when you die. Well, number one, I don't believe there's a hell, you know, so I don't, I don't believe. Um, you need to accept Jesus because you have sin in your life. You need to confess your sin. Why? Because I don't believe. I mean, so a believer does not believe. So the goal is to make them see the gospel, make them see it in a light that just turns a light on. And, and the, the power of that is the gospel's alive in me. And so you're not going after you're wrong because that means I'm right, you're wrong. Your relationship's going to split. You're going after, I'm so glad you come to my business. I'm so glad that you sell these things. You know, it's great to see you every single week. You know what? God has made a beautiful day. All of a sudden, you're just like, I'm so glad God said. You just say these things consistently, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, great, we've got to go to the Christian you know, business again, and what they're going to do is they're going to tell me how happy they are because they have something I don't have. Maybe I should ask them what they have that makes them so happy because in my lifestyle I'm not. And all of a sudden they become a Christian, then, you know, you start working with that. But we should have relationships with everybody that we don't need to point their sins out. We need to make them alive in Christ. And, um, and that, that is the, the goal. But very, very good question. Okay, so we'll do one more question. Yes, Rich. Shouldn't it carry the same uh, direction toward an unmarried uh, heterosexual couple in the church that's living together? So, so say that one more time in regards to in the church. Is, 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 in the church, is the same stance or policy the same for a heterosexual couple that's living together that's not married? Mm-hmm. If somebody is here just uh, proclaiming, yeah, we, you know, we, don't, we don't live together, and yeah, we're just, uh, we're just living together, and yeah, we're not going to get married, I mean, we should be, you should hear it. Under God's eyes and under God's authority, we're living in sin. There's no way that marriage can be blessed. There's no way that marriage can grow. There's no way that marriage can survive, in, or not marriage, but that relationship survives with living in that process of sin. So what are we going to do about it? <laughs> you know, this has to get out. If they're believers, a whole different conversation if they're believers, what are we going to do about it? We should pull them in and say, you know what, you guys need to get married. And we've pulled so many people in. It's like, you know, you guys are living in sin. You guys come to church every single month, or every, every single month. I'm sorry, it happens every week. Every week, and, 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 and you're a leader. You're an example. You're a, a pillar. I mean, you compliment them like crazy. We want you to proclaim who Christ is. And then as a result of that, people, people do. Or people don't. And, and when they don't, it's like, you know, you know it's just that, still that, that consistent prodding you know, in regards to that. The, the hard part about all this is there's reasons. Oh, financial reasons, this reason, this reason, this reasons. You know, my mind, God trumps all the reasons, but people fight with reasons now rather than, you know, the marriage pieces of it which are not right, but, you know, that's what they're dealing with. All right, so I'm a little bit over time. Thank you, guys, and we'll talk a little bit about, uh, just really fastly, on um, should um, we care for our elderly parents, and then we'll bring up a couple more questions and go through that. Thank you guys for being here.